Good morning, good evening. It doesn't matter what time you're listening to this because you are sitting in the best place ever and the best place imaginable, the Fuzz Factory. This is our weekly podcast that we post every Saturday with your beautiful, wonderful, and sexy hosts named Spenny and Sav. Today we're talking all about a band called The Sword. Savannah led us through this episode and she shares a lot of knowledge about the band and the way that they come up with their sort of concepts and their songwriting. It's a great episode. I encourage you to check it out. Thank you. Goodbye and have a great weekend. Welcome one and welcome all. You are sitting in your favorite place every weekend. The Fuzz Factory. And it is episode seven. We have a episode very, seven. Yes, we have a very exciting episode today, but first, some quick business. Business? What kind of business? Our sponsor for today is NatureBox. If you haven't heard of them before, please Google them, check them out. Uh, what you can expect from NatureBox is uh, finding a range from options, options, sorry, from healthy to indulgent to satisfy any craving should be easy. Now, when you're in the fuzz factory, occasionally the munchies set in and you just need food and you don't want to leave the house. Now, the great thing about NatureBox is they will send these snacks right to your door. Yes, it's a subscription service, so you can sign up, and you can either get monthly, weekly, or just pick and you choose. You can just find an item and get it shipped to your house. Um, this I'm reading from their website right now. Our snacks fit into a balanced diet and can meet your specific needs. They are non-GMO, they have vegan options, and taste preferences. Um, They're wh- portioned correctly, so you're going to get less than 200 calories per serving, no high fructose corn syrups, no MSG, artificial junk, as they put it. So it's just like really simple snacks, a lot of dehydrated like fruit, as Spenny said, but just like snacks that are yummy that you can still feel good about. And you know what? You don't even have to go out of the house for it. Winter's setting in. It's getting cold. Stay inside. Keep your blanket and avoid all the saturated fats and sodiums. So with that, check out naturebox.com for more info. And if you are interested in checking them out or maybe maybe trying an item or two, they've got an offer going right now where first-time customers get 50% off their first box. So check out Naturebox. And now on to the Fuzz Factory. Now, today's episode, if you're listening to episode six, you know that we are going to delve into something just a little heavier today. And so I brought it. Um, This is actually one of my favorite bands. I've seen them play twice. They're from Austin, Texas. Now, before we get any farther, what are they called? The Sword. The Sword. Yeah, The Sword. So um, I came across these guys at HMV, summer 2012, um, with my boyfriend. I was just looking for some new music. You know, like you're always looking for an impulse buy in HMV. And sometimes you got to use your intuition when you're Mm -hmm. finding a new band, right? You know? Um, And so anyways, my boyfriend picks out this album. It's called The Sword Warp Riders. It's the third album. We'll get to it like about mid-show. And the artwork was kind of, it was like a spaceship going through space with a huge meteor beside it. And it's called Warp Riders. So you're thinking like sci-fi kind of stuff. So I was immediately intrigued, bought it. And it took me like a couple weeks. It grew on me because the first, the very first song is an instrumental and it's very heavy. And I actually think that maybe that's the one we'll play. We'll see. and I loved it, but then the second song had vocals and they were not what I expected. Oh, so it kind of like threw you off of what your initial like yeah. vibe was, right? So you thought of them this way, heard the second song, and you're like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, I, I will admit that the vocals aren't very powerful, and I'm not sure if that's, I, I mean, I want to get your opinion on it, but I'm not sure if it comes down to them mixing the vocals a little bit too low, because the music is really loud and they mm-hmm. are kind of faint. But also, like, love... Um, his name is JD and I love his lyrics, but his voice is not the strongest. Okay. I was going to um, say. 
it's not yeah. bad, but like they actually one of their albums that we'll also talk about later, they've done a a remix like an acoustic version where his vocals really stand out, and it's like I can't listen to it. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll listen to a couple of tracks and then I will give my analysis of yeah, maybe definitely. like the recording because obviously I wasn't there. I won't know. I won't be able to tell exactly what they did, but I'll give um, I'll give it a shot to be able to maybe like see what I think of the sound and how they recorded it. Yeah. And also, if you know or if any listeners know, um, if I'm saying anything, if I'm talking about the recording of this particular band and you know something that I don't, share it. Let me know because I always want to be corrected if I'm wrong. I don't want to be spreading lies about the world. Exactly. Um, but I'm really interested. And that actually goes right back to, we talked about this a few times, uh, how much emphasis that, not necessarily old versus new, but I think psych bands and more so bands that are kind of in the psychedelic range, uh, they're really good at putting that album art and connecting it with Absolutely. the album. And it kind of goes, right, you saw the album art and that's yeah. what enticed you to buy it. You had no idea what they sounded like, but that album art was one of the reasons that you picked up and bought that album that day. It yeah, with psychedelic music, you can really window shop. And if something jumps off the page at you, uh, you just got to go for it. And usually when you trust your gut, it works out. You know, if you pick up something that's completely black with spiky white writing that you're probably going to get something a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's a really good um, if you do it right, it's a really good way to like put a lot of mystery to the album. Because like just by looking at an album, there's no way that you'll know what it sounds like. But if you pick an album art really wisely, I think uh, bands that do it well or artists who do it well, uh, you'll, you'll get a vibe from that album art that is usually pretty close to how yeah. it sounds. The worst thing you can do is put your own face on the cover, I think. It depends on what you're trying to do, I guess, right? If you're a pop artist and that's like your thing, then your maybe... Your face is your brand. Then maybe it works. Um, but I think a lot of... Um, a lot of class, more, more classic music styles, and by that I just mean rock and roll or classic or anything. Um, things that aren't as like me, me, me oriented. Do you know what I mean by yeah. that? Like how, where I'm going? Like uh, I think, yeah, they will more so like find an image or maybe like they'll have all the band on it. But even then, a lot of bands don't even put their faces on albums. Like um, I can't think I, of many that do. I prefer to do. see like what they're envisioning because when you're writing music, I feel like there's kind of an internal visual element to it kind of. Like what are you picturing? What is the emotion of it? And to be able to see what they think of it on the front it definitely it, counts for something it brings out a bit more than just like here's our face that's uh, here's a photo exactly like, uh, I, I agree with that yeah um i guess i'll throw it into the first song so um i i don't know did you ever play guitar here when you were growing up oh yeah um, i uh, might... i used to really suck at real guitar so uh, i had a couple friends who had guitar hero and it always made me feel really cool when i could like yeah <laughs> when i learned how to play like Hit those power ups what was it <laughs> slow ride or something was one yeah, of the songs yeah. i played all the time well, one of the sword songs appeared in, um, it was a playable song in Guitar Hero 2. Oh, okay. And so that kind of helped them get a little bit more notoriety. Now, I never played that one. I definitely remember I playing Guitar have. Hero, I but know. I think I came in on the third one or something. Like, I was kind of late to the game. Still never I play, played I play Guitar Hero 2. I'm trying to think if I ever, I don't recognize. Um, I'll play the song. So, like, who knows? Maybe so this song was it. in Guitar Hero? Yes. Okay. And it's also their first single. So, cool. like, I felt like it was a good way to kick off the show. I think now, so. Yeah, this is from their album Age of Winters, which they released in the winter of 2006. So uh, over 10 years ago now, which exactly, is, yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy when bands start getting to the 10 year mark and you're like, wow, you guys have been through a whole I'm, decade. Because you still think of them in that infancy stage, like just totally. that startup stage. But then like you've yeah. been doing this for like a long time. Yeah. And so this album was produced by the lead singer, J.D. Cronus. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and 
like you can kind of tell like it's a little rough around the edges, but it's like it's good. How cool. about I'll just throw it away. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, and the name of the album, Age of Winters, it also relates to Game of Thrones. And we'll get into this after I play this song. This song isn't related to it, really. It's called Freya. Okay. So um, they definitely take a lot of influence from ancient mythology and like history and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll play it and then we'll talk a little bit more. So um, here is The Sword with Freya, again, from their album Age of Winters on The Fuzz Factory.
So did you see what I mean about the vocals being a lot um, like kind of undermixed? Yeah. So, okay. So if there's any listeners out there and I'm wrong, please prove me wrong. But this is my theory and this is just my guess. Um, so the lyrics kind of feel like they're hidden underneath the music a bit. Like it feels like the music is a lot more prominent, especially yeah. like the guitar and the drums. Um, and I think that's on purpose, obviously. If they're recording most things that like mu- – I would say 99% of things in a recording are on purpose unless it was improvised, but that didn't feel very improvised. Um, obviously, like they like having lyrics in their songs because I don't think because they could be there are bands that like um, there are especially heavier. Uh, it's really easy to pull off just an instrumental band. Yeah, but you're uh, also kind of um, alienating a whole group of people that really prefer lyrics in a song. Well, it helps you connect on a different yeah. level, especially if you're maybe not a musician or if that's mm-hmm. what you're looking for out of a group of people. If you're looking for that really poetic um, songwriting and you're not getting it, you're not going to listen to that band. Yeah. Um, so I think these guys were kind of on the cusp of that. I think they're like, hey, we're really good instrumentalists, but we want to have vocals in our um, in our songs so which one of us can sing I'm i feel sure like they have an instrumental in every one of their albums so i feel like that might have been one of the things like hey none of us can sing who's the best i'm not going to call you <laughs> shitty but i'm just using this as a word like you know paraphrasing who's the best crappy singer in our yeah. in our group of crappy singers that can sing the best mm-hmm. i've definitely been in jam circles like that where none of us can sing but we can all like so say you got a guy who can drum guy who can play guitar really well um Sometimes singing isn't your focus. Maybe that's what these guys have. Um, and also it might be uh, where you want to put your emphasis on uh, on which type, or sorry, not type, which part of the song are you trying to make people hear more? So if you're a really heavier band and your focus, um, actually I can relate this exactly to me. I'm a guitarist. So when I record, the most prominent sound in my recording is definitely the guitar. Um, that's what you notice first. That's what you hear throughout. That's the focus. Um, I still add lyrics. Um the guitar is always much louder. Um, I'll mix the the vocals different, so like it, they'll be more so in one ear or maybe a, a mix of both ears, but not. Ne- it doesn't sound like the vocals are coming right at you. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you're a pop singer and if uh, your the emphasis is on your vocal sound, or it doesn't have to be pop, but that's just what I'm picturing right when now. When your vocals are your only instrument. So yeah, where your vocals are like the the main instrument. Uh, the the stuff in the the music in the background tends to be just that it tends to be more so background music catchy repetitive yeah so I think with these guys it, they're on the opposite end of that spectrum they really want oh, yeah. the emphasis to come there they really want that sound and people to recognize them from those riffs the they're heavy super drumming. riffy yeah like I noticed that they had a couple really nice riffs that repeated and they even had a Obviously, I'm not going to mimic it with my mouth. That would be weird. But uh, they had a really cool one. Yeah. They had a really cool one that came in later. Uh, how about like three quarters of the way through the song? And I really liked it. It was a noticeable change. Yeah. But that's what I picked up. Like that was the emphasis of their sound is coming from their sound and not the lyrics. I agree. Um, the singer, he's also the one who writes all of the lyrics. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, for the most part, at least. Um, so that also factors into him being the singer because he's the one writing mm-hmm. it. Exactly. And I feel like a shift, there's a shift and there's a lot more emphasis on the lyrics in later albums. So you'll okay. be able to see that difference. And um, maybe they've been together 10 years now. Yeah. So maybe they just got better at writing lyrics that fit their music. Like, because maybe I haven't heard any of their later recordings. So maybe, maybe the mixing is different. I'm not sure. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll see for sure. Yeah. Um, now it was, um, a four-piece band, so they've got a bassist, two guitar players, and a drummer. Okay. 
Um, and they were all together also for the second record, which we're about to get into. Um, and then after that, for the third record, only the drummer changes. But in the third album, there's a really noticeable shift in their sound. So we'll get yeah. to that. But like um, their second album came out two years later, March 2008, and it's called Gods of the Earth. And now, oh, before we actually get away from Age of Winters, I feel like the name really connects to Game of Thrones. You can tell yeah, you from want these, to mention yeah, that. you can tell from these guys um, that like their lyrics and everything about their yeah, vibe. very um, reminded me of Lord of the Rings almost, like just yeah. like that era of uh, or that sort of fantasy realm. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like you're not you don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, no, I haven't. But I can I feel like I can connect it enough to you without spoiling anything major. So um, Age of Winters kind of relates to it because um, in this story, the seasons don't shift on an equal plane. So you can okay. get like, you know, maybe a decade of summer and then two decades of winter, you know, like it's not oh. it's not fully cyclical. Yeah. So Age of Winters, like there's people like there's legends that there's been like full lifetimes where people were born and like died in the cold like never wow. saw the summer so is that historically factual like did Absolutely weather patterns not. actually do that no, no, okay no. no i was gonna say because i know nothing about like historical geology like i guess weather mapping i don't know what the right <laughs> term for that is um, meteorology I don't yeah know. meteorology would be a better word um, i don't even know but that's cool though um yeah and a lot of fans of the show and the books um have looked into the science of how could it be possible for seasons well to my not be... i guess it totally could right ice age age of winter i um, can understand yeah it. or like oh if the earth had two suns then like blah 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 blah, blah like stuff like that but um Pretty much That's the author has said it's magic people. Like, don't overthink I was going to say, because uh, who's the author? Martin? George R.R. So, Martin. Yeah, so yeah. isn't he pretty wild in a lot of his writing? Like, it's very... Uh, I've just heard from, like, peripheral stories of Game of Thrones. Again, I've never watched an episode. Um, but I've heard that it's, like, a lot of, a lot of like, fighting and, like, a lot of sex. And, like, a lot of – basically a lot of extremes. Yes, but there's also a lot of intrigue. And that's well, where it really I think, hooks and you. And there's a lot of characters, There's right? a lot of – yeah, there's a lot of shifting powers that are, like, moving around. And um, it's a, a very kind of gritty look at war. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, he's actually very anti-war. That's anti -war. cool. Like, it's not glamorizing at all, right? Like, yeah, no, he like... was like an anti-war protester back in the day and stuff. So he definitely lets it leak through. And yes, it's kind of glamorous, like thinking, oh, medieval well, yeah, knights right? and stuff. It's so valiant. And But no, his stance, if you really look at it, is very clearly that war just brings like devastation. And... Like the evil out in people, Yeah, and it's basically. really the small people that kind of pay the price. That's the, like, immediately uh, now I, I'm more interested in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, Because I just absolutely. thought it was fighting and sex. No, it's a very in-depth story. It's my favorite series for sure i've okay, read it cool. twice i've had so many people tell me that i need to get onto it it's dense that's the only thing so if you I watch the first season avoiding it i would say watch the first season before you start the first book because that's what i did and it gave oh. me such an easier platform of knowledge to go into the book sometimes with. that's good because then you uh you spend less time trying to like build this world in your mind uh, and visualize it and yeah. you just enjoy the story totally it kickstarts it and the first book and the first season are so similar that there's you can really enjoy it after that they diverge a lot like because there's just so many characters in the books and like the show you know there's got to be a scope mm -hmm. to it and his books are just massive tomes i right? did that exact same thing with harry potter actually i saw the first movie um I don't know what year it came out, but whatever year it came out, uh, I, I went with say. my older sister and my mom, I think, uh, to the movie, and I was like, I was like, damn, I want to be a wizard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so after that, I, my mom bought me the books, and I got super into Harry Potter. Like, mm -hmm. like I get that is not a unique character. It's like so many kids our age are into that. Um, but it was like that's exactly uh, goes off the point that we were just saying though. Um, 
I watched the movie first before I read the book, which sometimes that's a horrible thing to do. Sometimes that's the worst thing you can do, but you never know. Yeah. Um, but this time, uh, I, I already had a picture of Harry and Ron, Hermione, all the characters, the world, blah, blah, blah. So my brain was just on not on autopilot, but rather than spending extra energy building in my mind, I was just like, I already know what's happening. Feed me more info. It's also really nice to be able to build that image in your head. But whenever you see a movie from a book that you've seen, there's always disappointment. Yeah, exactly. On some scale. Sometimes it's just a little disappointment, some, but it was pretty good. Sometimes it's like, oh, yeah. my God, I'm walking out of the theater and it's not even over yet. Like, some movie directors do it very well. Um, well, because I think the way like it would be so hard to take all the info from a book um, and put that onto a screen because I think that's why a lot of fantasy is novel driven because like it would cost so much to make a lot of this yeah. stuff like these effects right and it does for it, Game of Thrones it, it their budget totally is does. massive yeah like um, I remember hearing about that one of the like highest highest um, set costs ever yeah but it's also like highest gross. I was gonna like, say it balances out probably with the yeah, revenue yeah but like they have a lot of CGI and just the sheer number of extras in some of these scenes is incredible but like before we de delve too much into that um, I just want to talk about the connection with the sword so they yeah, also yeah. have a song um, in what is it called I believe it's called Winter's Wolves on Age of Winters and now one important thing you need to know about the story is it kind of centers around this family called the Starks and they live in this place called Winterfell like up in the northern okay. territory and their sigil is like a dire wolf and like early on in the story within the first chapter so i'm not really spoiling anything um one of the stark children finds this dead dire wolf with like a bunch of puppies just like gonna die in the snow so they adopt them and each kid gets one so the dire wolves kind of play into the story and everything okay. and like you know shit happens so yeah um it's kind of a story about revenge like anyone who fucks with the Ooh, <laughs> i gotta watch myself there uh, can we just do another take there i don't want to i don't want to yeah, have that in there it's all about revenge yeah it's all about revenge against anyone who's ever crossed the family cool. which is really cool and yeah if you look into the lyrics and once you know more about the story you'll honestly it's like a battle cry you're like ah, go crack some skulls oh that's sweet yeah. yeah so you're getting me way more into game of thrones now just by oh, this yeah. description so you, I'm you happy. need to watch it you really do i think um, i'm gonna like i think that'll be a good um if hopefully and when i graduate in the spring <laughs> uh i hopefully there's no ifs there i'm joking people but uh you when yeah when, when i graduate in the spring that would be a good uh reward for the summer i think to start Absolutely. game of thrones because i feel like I'm really bad at like when I get into a show, I gotta oh, yeah. know more. Like Narcos, it was I almost. I just as finished if Narcos yesterday. Watching Narcos made me addicted to cocaine. Like, yeah, <laughs> I've, I like, feel like I can speak oh Spanish my now. Gosh, I I'm fascinated Pablo by Escobar. it. Uh, that's one of the first shows. Um, I guess I'm sure I've had other ones when I was little, maybe. But that's one of the first shows that I've noticed as an adult that like grabbed me, really pulled really? me in. Yeah. Um. I love learning about it, and I love a f like obviously they dramatize certain aspects, Absolutely. but I've fact checked a lot of it with just obviously quick Google searches. My fact checking could have been wrong. Uh, what I've heard is that they've stuck stuck um, very closely to what actually happened, and they're not trying to distort too much. And I love that they mixed in footage of the actual Pablo. Escobar. Oh, that's it. That's the thing. It makes There's, it so authentic. It was seamless. And, like, and his acting is so good. Yeah. The the look on his face. I wish I I wish I had his name in front of me. I'm sorry, whatever your yeah. name is, Narcos. I mean, yeah. Uh, Pablo Escobar. But yeah, if you get into Game of Thrones, that's um, 60 hours of show right yeah, there. Yeah, see, that's the kind of why I've been like avoiding it because I just and know there's so much to dive to into. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Let's like definitely 
you've definitely got me interested. Good. So that was my whole goal. Was the was this the only album that these guys had that was sort no. of based off it? We're actually going to get into it. I couldn't talk about all these Game of Thrones songs without actually playing one. So mm-hmm. in their second album, they've got two. So awesome. The first one, the one I'm not going to play, is called Maiden, Mother, and Crone. Okay. And so basically, in this Game of Thrones world, there's two religions. There's the more dominant religion, which they call the New Gods, and then the ones um, from the people who are kind of like living on this land first, the Old Gods. So the New Gods, they're kind of um, divided into seven it's like the seven faces of god right so three of them are female three of them are male and one's called the stranger which is kind of like the god of death oh wow so it's like yeah um so the female ones are the maiden the mother and the crone so the maiden is more for like you know maidens like young girls to pray to and stuff mother for like women Mm -hmm. who are about to give birth and like for that kind of guidance and crones which are kind of basically wrinkly old women holding a lantern like showing the way wow they've got knowledge so it's the song's called maiden mother and crone it just kind of outlines like yeah those parts of the life and stuff but like they don't make an immediate very strong connection to game of thrones but the title like in and of itself like, i was gonna say because like you would only understand that title if you were into that world exactly like it's not spoiling anything from the show it's just talking about this religion so it's kind of an aspect of the world but when well, they're opening more like obviously the show like they must all like be fascinated with this world or at least the singer is one one oh, person yeah. is is fascinated with this so it's cool because what they're uh, like, what they're trying to do. I think, well, if one thing that they would be doing is like, a using like the show for creative influence, but they're also trying to get their listeners onto like the yeah. shit that gets them off. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Like I am a big fan of that. I am always telling people to hey, check out this podcast, check out this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like uh. And I've met a lot of people that are very similar to this. And it's not like, a, hey, I want you to think the way I think. It's like, hey, this made me, like, this provo- provoked some thoughts in my brain. Maybe it'll do the same for you. I love sharing yeah. ideas and, and getting other people onto the ideas that you're onto. Totally. So that might be, like, a little bit of what they're doing. I, I definitely think so. Like, they don't hide it. And in the second song, even, the title is To Take the Black. And in this world, like up in the north, there's a huge like 700 foot wall of ice, right? Because in ancient times, apparently there were people like these creatures in the north called others or white walkers. And I'm going to be one for Halloween, I think. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of came and like pretty much brought humanity to its knees, almost killed everybody until like this savior came along and whatever. So it's this ancient legend. Most people don't believe in them. But from the first chapter, you know, they exist. Okay. so like there's one character that goes to the wall because it's like a brotherhood. You kind of join, you can't own anything, you can't marry anyone, and then you're just, you spend your whole life protecting the wall. But now they haven't seen these creatures in like a thousand years, so nobody believes in them anymore, and it's a whole bunch of criminals. Like now it's like, okay, you committed this crime, I can either kill you or you can go to the wall. So it's just full of like criminals and stuff. So this song is called To Take the Black, so it's basically talking about like... It's their version of Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, So yeah, a lot of... characters up at the wall there um honestly i'm see now i want to go home today and watch game of thrones it's amazing spencer like it's so good it's my favorite show it's my favorite book series um but yeah so there's one character that goes up there and you follow him and honestly i feel like it's my favorite storyline in the whole books because it's like what really matters all these other players are talking about oh like who should sit on the iron throne but he's like dude white walkers (laughs) they're coming for all of us guys all of us Yeah, it's a really, really good story. So anyways, we'll jump into it. So um, because we haven't played a song in a while. We've done a lot of talking. But that's okay because like, oh, I'm fascinated. (laughs) And usually it's me doing the rambling. So I love, oh my gosh. 
I'm seriously like I'm gonna go home today and Please might do. watch one of the first episodes. Just I'm to telling get a feel you, if you it. watch the first episode, you will not stop because the ending, the very last scene, raises so many questions where you're like, "What? Oh no, it's one of those. Yeah, like Stranger Things. Oh no, 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 not in that sense where you see something and you're like, this, this." something's happening like yeah that made me watch like three episodes one night because i would end one episode on a cliffhanger and then the next episode yeah. would end on another one and the production value is just amazing you got sean bean total like legend actor yeah um just it's amazing anyways we'll jump into it so cool. from their second album gods of the earth from 2008 here's the sword with to take the black on the fuzz factory <laughs>
That was cool. And it goes back to exactly what we were saying about like that pattern um, that they bring about. Not mm-hmm. the same pattern, but every song that they definitely define a couple like riffs that they play. And um, they, yeah, they really... take their time getting into the lyrics. They let the song speak for itself for a while. Yeah, exa- they really build the tone and the vibe of the song, and then the lyrics are just like I said. Like they almost feel like just an extra instrument that you're adding. Like yeah, not that there's like anything wrong with the lyrics or like the style but like that's you can see where the emphasis is right like it's definitely on the instruments like those drums are heavy too yeah so this is off the second album right Mm -hmm. and this is the one that you mentioned that the drummer the same drummer from the first album still on same drummer um this was their original lineup still it's now in the next album where the drummer has been switched um but i honestly i'll confirm after we play the next song because it's from that album anyways but i feel like the original drummer recorded some of the songs or wrote some of the songs and then they either well, got the say, new guy he, to record it or he could have been a really main tour. member of the band, right? He could have been a really main member of the band and then like uh, leaves for whatever reasons. And then like just by that itself that their sound could change, right? Yeah. Um, there's definitely bands like uh, the Chili Peppers are a good example. So the Chili Peppers have went through guitarist like underwear. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Actually, it's kind of weird. The, guitar- the Chili Peppers have a really interesting history with their guitars getting whacked out on heroin. Like, really? They, they've had three or four um, guitarists throughout. The, the first guitarist uh, from the Chili Peppers, I think he... I should have looked this up before. It just flooded into my mind now. Um, the first... Chi- guitarist from the Chili Peppers died, I'm pretty sure. Um, now, after that, John Frusciante joined the band, and John Frusciante is one of my favorite guitarists ever, but as soon as he joins the band, uh, there's a definite switch. Um, like, you can you can hear a really noticeable difference in the sound, because John Frusciante started writing the, like, the guitar parts, right? So, um, guitarists will always write their own parts, so mm-hmm. as soon as I noticed like that change, I saw a difference. And then, uh, Frusciante left the Chili Peppers um, after their, uh, no, it was before their Stadium Arcadium album. So he left the band. Uh, they had another guy come in. I think he was, I don't know, I'm not going to say what band he's from because I don't know. Uh, he, <laughs> he came in and, again, different sound. And I didn't like the Chili Peppers near as really? much on this one album. Uh, it was the album where uh, the songs Aeroplane came out, um, a couple other ones. Um, I just wasn't crazy about them as much as I love the other ones. And That's then, actually really tying into this one. Yeah. Because with the third album, um, there was like kind of a noticeable departure. They were a lot more... Um, produced sounding and no that's not to say that they had a whole bunch of effects but we'll get but into that I know that what later. you mean though like yeah it was more technically perfect like 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 and people didn't like that really yeah it gonna, alienated some fans like, and it also um in this album it was a concept album like mm-hmm. it's the one with the meteor that I was telling you this is the first sword that I was exposed to was yes. this album okay and so for me my idea of the sword is this like Again, really heavy, really riffy, but um, like very technical and very like deeper lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I listen to the first two albums, like I like them, but they're not my go-to. I like okay. everything from the third album on where a lot of people where they hear the fifth Are album. The opposite. Yeah, like I, my boyfriend has a buddy who listened to a lot of the first and second album. And I think even his cousin who re- recommended the band um, listened to the early stuff. So they don't like how it's a lot less heavier in like the current day their uh, most recent album came out last year summer 2015 and so a lot of people like it's kind of sounds like two different bands in a way it's sort of it's not two different bands but it's two different eras of the same band almost right Um, yeah you can't stay doing the exact same thing for the whole career or you turn into Nickelback and a new member of the band really changes things up especially maybe if it's a drummer because the drummer um 
it's like, and I imagine they're all writing the songs together as a band. I don't imagine like, I don't imagine the guitarist singer would have been writing. Um, he might have came up with how fast he wanted the song, but he wouldn't be writing the drum part, right? Yeah. Um, so as bands start to build songs together, it will always morph a little bit from the original idea based on everyone's skills or what, say, this person wants to add or delete. Um, so if the drummer is one of the main people in the band, even though he's not writing the songs, they have a lot of influence in the sound Absolutely. because they're really driving the tempo and even the breakdowns, like even the parts with no drumming, the drummer is still kind of like the backbone. Um, yeah, because he know he needs to know exactly when to come in, and the drumming is also one of those things that like, um, it's never really certain bands. It is like Rush. It's obviously a main component. Cer not all music, the drumming is a main component, mm -hmm. but you notice when the drumming's off, and it's not uh, an untrained ear can definitely tell when the beat is off, right? Yeah. Um. So drumming is just one of those things like you have so much influence in the song, and you're so crucial. So you Absolutely. change you're that member. Of the song, you change really. that member, and you are going to have a different sound. So I'm very curious yeah. to see what this is going to sound like. Um, like pleasantly enough, this song actually kind of has like it's a, like a drum and kind of guitar build up at the end, but it's kind of like one that makes you nod your head and kind of want to like walk with confidence or something. Oh, cool. Like I don't know, it's Got definitely a bit of swagger to it. Yeah, it's definitely like a song that makes you want to put your fist in the air and be like, right on. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Put the shades on. Okay, so from their third album, Warp Riders, in um, 2010. Now it seems like they kind of have a pattern where they're coming out with a new record mm -hmm. every two years so they have a little bit of momentum and that kind of slows down as it goes on but um yeah from 2010 here's the sword with lawless lands on the fuzz factory sweet
we're back on the Fuzz Factory. So, Spenny, uh, what did you notice about that song? So, from the knowledge that you've bestowed upon me, I know that they have a new drummer uh, on this album than their previous two. And I think that made a big difference. Um, the tempo feels a little slower, um, but still rock, still definitely heavy yeah. rock. Like, they didn't sacrifice... They didn't sacrifice sound, but like it's just a little bit slower tempo. That's one thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we mentioned during the break that the vocals are a lot more prominent. Uh, yeah, they're I can a lot he- cleaner. I can hear the singer actually now. Uh, something that I noticed in the first couple of tracks is that like they're still well mixed. It wasn't like they're s- static or like dead air or anything. But um, my brain was almost kind of fighting because I I was trying to rock out to the song and also hear the vocals at the same time so you're not mm-hmm. fully invested into the music because you're kind of working a little bit you are you're straining to hear it and even then it's kind of just muffled and it's very minuscule but it does throw you off just yeah. the littlest bit especially like when our podcast is about listening to music right totally. and I, you you wanted me to listen it for the change that's why yeah. i was really trying to pay attention and all like so singer's a lot more clear um it just sounds um on these, the last track that you played, it sounds like um, it's easier to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that doesn't mean like it's easy listening like, like <laughs> the Eagles or something. It's just, uh, it's literally, it felt easier to get into and kind of easier to rock out to. Mm-hmm. Um, there um, wasn't that Dare strain. I say a little bit, little bit more mainstream? Like Slightly, I think. Touching a bigger audience? I think so. Um, and I mean, hey, they caught me, right? Yeah, and you had a fact you wanted to share with me about the recording. Oh, yeah. Um, so when we were listening to the song over the breaks, Benny was saying um, all of these things about how it sounded just cleaner and a little bit more put together, um, which is totally true. It's a lot more technically perfect. And I a lot of so. reviews um, said just that, that the, it just had a cleaner sound. And this was their first album where um, the lead singer, JD, was not the producer. So this was the first album where they had somebody else coming in, like an outside influence, kind of helping them mix it and put it together. So, so I've got two theories theories as to that like yeah. or maybe not it's not a theory maybe just two opinions on that so when you're a beginning band or artist whatever you are if you're solo or with a band you've probably got a really good idea of what you want to sound like so your first couple albums maybe those first two albums were kind of like hey it's our first two albums let's just do exactly what we want and we're going to yeah. produce it ourselves so that we have no outside influence so i do respect that the fact that he produced the first two oh, albums yeah for sure because Especially when you're beginning, you have so many you have so many doubts yourself as an artist. You're still shaping yourself exactly, and you're you're still not even sure. Like people are trying to ask you what your sound is, and you're like, I don't know, man. I just <laughs> like making good sounds. Yeah. So there's a lot of like you said, there's a learning curve, and I think that's something that they maybe experienced. Um, and they so, did get success. Like, oh, a hundred percent. Like it was had, like I said, it was still well mixed. Like it's still uh, it didn't sound like crap. By but any they stretch. wanted to get something attain something so higher. maybe once they were a bit more established a bit more professional and maybe like and maybe it took them for you because a lot of bands will like they'll be career musicians but there's a lot of bands that just get started up as like a hope and a dream like hey maybe this will take off because yeah. it really is dependent on people enjoying your music right so in the long run it really is a, a gamble in, a, in some sorts um so maybe after the two albums and four years together, maybe they're like, hey, the al- like this gamble is paying off. Yeah. Uh, we have a bit more money. Let's hire a producer. It could have been just as simple as that. It could be money. And it, I, I think it's partially money and partially the influence thing. I think yeah, when you're a young band, you really want to figure out your own sound. And who better mm-hmm. to figure that out than you? Totally. Um, so maybe they were a bit more open to criticism um, 
and if maybe maybe just input right they're just more yeah. open to having another set of ears on the project totally and it was also a different kind of album because the first two um just your basic album a lot of different songs like again there were the threads of um the game of thrones story which, which if we're being a purist here it's actually a song of ice and fire that's the name of the series so cool but the first book's called the game of thrones and that's how they named Kay. the show okay. so it's like People just call it Game of Thrones series now and like, you know, whatever. See, yeah, I, w I wouldn't have known that. I thought the whole thing was Game of Thrones. Yeah, now you know. Now you know. Cool. Um, but anyways, this third album is actually a full concept album. So I know we've listened to a concept album before on yeah. the Fuzz Factory. Now, this is a different kind where instead of a concept where it's like overarching themes, this is an actual science fiction story. It's a tale oh, of a so guy's cool. adventure. Yeah. So, oh, so the whole album leads you through this kind of yeah. hero's journey or Absolutely. whatever. Like, like there's kind of two parts. Like it's it's a CD. It's not even vinyl, but it's got kind of um, a, a part one and a part two. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of follows the story of this guy named Acheron and he's kind of like this exiled dude from his tribe like when we were listening to Lawless Lands it says um no woman will have him no man calls him friend they're talking about this character wow um yeah I, I can't remember if that's so they're really good at incorporating not only like kind of like um the the fantasy world that they're fascinated with obviously is oh, yeah. affecting them but they're really good at connecting their older tracks into like totally future projects and, I think and really that's connecting why... their discography Totally. And I think that's why I got so into the album when I first heard it, because um, I could just put it on the first song and let it play all the way through. And even like the very first kind of sounds you hear, it's kind of like this low build up before the music actually really kicks on. And at the very end of the album, you hear that same thing. So it fades in. So if you actually have the CD on repeat, you can't tell when it ends and when it begins. Oh, it just kind of like goes together. So like it was so easy to just let it play. Like I would listen to it like back and that definitely front. wasn't on by accident. Right. Like that. was. Oh, 100%. no, it was. It's I totally love little details out. like that because like a like not many people are going to listen to a CD over and over again. But for the fans that do, they thought of that. Yeah. And like it's a they they intended you to almost experience that at least once. Right. Like because so. they built that for a reason. Yeah. And which is cool. There's a lot it of really uh, there's a lot about they do a lot of thinking is what I like. There's a lot of. um. This album not, definitely had more thought into not it. Not background stuff, because that's the wrong way to put it, but there's a lot of um, information and like a lot of thought put into these albums that you necessarily aren't even getting just by listening to it. Because uh, you can see the different appreciation that like me is just uh, to say I heard this on the radio. Yeah, I would think it was cool, but I wouldn't get any of these deeper meanings that mm -hmm. you as a, as a fan of even just Game of Thrones, you would pick up on this and be able yeah. to connect with the music more. There's They're putting a lot of thought into it, which I really appreciate because um, not a lot of modern bands are putting this much effort into making mm -hmm. records. Like, are they the best sounding people ever? Maybe not. Like, I really like them, so I'm not, that's not my opinion. But you opinion. can appreciate them for what they are. Yeah, like, that's not even my opinion, because I think they sound really great. Yeah. But, like, uh, like they're not the most popular is what I'm getting. They're not Britney Spears, and they're selling no. millions and millions of records. No, when they come but, to town, they're playing the Pyramid Cabaret, you know? Oh, they're not, like the, yeah, yeah, they're, they're not even playing the but, but it's But even then, it's like, it shows that, like, you don't need to be... Um, that level of stardom or whatever to still be a really amazing artist. Exactly. And I kind of like where I was kind of going with that, it kind of like overlays like the underappreciation of certain artists, right? Because, mm -hmm. uh, and genres kind of. And um, genres, yeah. You never see like a doomy, metally type band selling out a stadium. You never. just don't. No, you do, exactly. You actually very rarely have I ever. I know that there's big metal bands like and yeah, there's you big could, metal festivals. If, if you're somewhat, I don't know, this is an insult to real metalheads everywhere, but Kiss was kind of metal. It, it was their version of metal. Um, Hair they, metal. Yeah, like that's what I mean. It was the, definitely their version of it. Definitely not 
and then I hey they no disrespect metal. to those guys but uh they're not it, it wasn't my favorite music no but uh they sold out stadiums right um yep. but like you don't see, you don't see that from any of the artists mm-hmm. in this genre so it's kind of cool I don't know it just it's cool to see them putting in the work in and so maybe the fuzz factor would be the reason these guys make it big who no, knows I feel like they're big like um who did they I pretty sure that they toured with Metallica at one point. Really? They opened up for Metallica. Oh, yeah. hey, so they're getting there. Uh, yeah, they're they're pretty damn good. Um, but I love that they're still on a small enough scale that when I see them in the show, I'm standing there and we're like looking at each well, other. It's like we're experiencing this together. Holy shit. Like, yeah. They, um, when they came off stage, when they, um, I saw them in April of this past year. Oh, so recently. Yeah, it's the second time I saw them and I was kind of standing near the off stage when they were coming off by accident. Like I wasn't trying to like get an autograph or anything like that. I was just there and when they came by, like I was able to like, you know. Like, High five them or whatever just yeah like you know slap hands what's up, baby? <laughs> slap a sweaty hand <laughs> hey that's that's a cool moment though like yeah and i remember it right um small concerts are always the best yeah. you'll always get away ever i've been a few big stadium shows like obviously i uh I, i've spent the money went to the mts center i saw this tragically hip there um not the not the last concert but the it was 2014, I believe they were here on uh, Valentine's Day. Great concert. Uh, so I'm happy I went. But you get a much different feel out of like seeing someone at the Garrick or like yeah. the or like the Bird. It's just it's, somewhere. It's just different, right? Mm-hmm. You, um, you, being you feel in a that bar like that, where it's like I'm looking yeah, behind me and there's like you know ten rows of us, like we're all just crammed together. That really people is. moshing behind you, throwing you into the people in front of you. Like it's a very small, tight atmosphere, and it was just amazing. To see them so close and also yeah. be able to have the movement to go to one side of the stage, walk to the other side yeah. of the stage. You're not you're not stuck there. Yeah, I'm like not like, oh, this is my or... ticket, this is my seat. Like yeah. it was just like cheap, like, you know, fifteen, twenty bucks, get in. It's that's so cool. Yeah. It was next time they come, you should just come come see them. For it's, sure. Well, I mean, I'm definitely interested now. Um, yeah. it's just yeah, like I don't know. I wish more um I wish more people would spend money on local shows. I think yeah. I might have touched on this last episode, but something that just really bugs me is when um and it's not even just country music; it's any music. If when other, I know so many of my friends and so many of a, anyone that you can think of, look through Facebook. There's a big concert coming to town. How many people will just drop hundreds of dollars to get tickets for that? Sitting in the nosebleeds, you are yeah. nowhere close to that artist. You're probably spending half the concert on your damn cell phone anyway. You're not even really taking in the music. And my point is, like, they'll over overpay for like a really not that great of. Artist, yes. Great artist, yes. Great experience with that artist, not so much. That's the thing. But if you've only gone to the MTS Center for big shows, if you're only into really mainstream popular music, maybe that's what you you're don't looking realize for, right? what you're I missing. Like, yeah, even maybe at a that's what you're festival, looking for. But like, yeah, when you're in a small thing, there's a real connection between the artist and the audience that you just can't get in a, at a big show unless you're, you know, well, even if you're in the front row at the MTS Center, you're just having that one split second moment. But they're performing for 15,000 people yeah. or whatever, you know. Well, and when people hear of like a local band or not even local, like there's a lot of like bigger, like mainstream bands that come and play shows at smaller places yeah. like the Cabaret. Like Winnipeg is a great music city. You just got to keep so. your eyes on the shows. Obviously, you're not going to have advertisements for them blast at your face for a tiny little show. You just got to like the venues on social media. But like, like people will line up around the MTS Center to go see these big mm-hmm. names. But then a lot of people act as if like going to see 50, like $15 to some un, maybe unknown to them uh, band. It almost seems like a chore to them. You $15? Know what I mean? yeah, I've like, never I, even I, heard of that. Well, I'm, I'm a student. Like I'm broke. Yeah. And it's like Dude. Really? Like you just spent fifty bucks on booze last That's week. That's like a seven dollar like, coffee in your hand, bro. Yeah, and it's like this is not shitting on anyone specifically. No, because no, no, no. like I said, I definitely go to concerts. Yeah. It's a it's just a trend I see with our generation a bit that uh they're much more willing to drop a lot like 
versus going to one or two shows a month that will cost you $30 for both shows. Like, they'll go to, like, a big concert and then drop all the money and stuff. And it's like, hey, spend your money how you want. Exactly. I just wish more people were maybe taking advantage of these smaller shows. But if be- they were, they wouldn't be small shows Maybe. Ma- maybe right. you're right. Like, there is a balance, right? Yeah. So maybe the people that are going, maybe what you're saying is, like, the people who are ending up at these shows are the right people for that show. Exactly. So that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and we're actually rounding up on my first show, my first time seeing The Sword. Um, so again, the album I got into is Warp Riders from 2010, and I didn't get into them until like spring 2012, and then I listened to it all summer, their first album. I didn't listen to any of the previous stuff at first at all, so it was like the, the only thing I needed at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but then October 2012, so like after the summer, oh. they dropped a new album. And again, following with the trend with every two years. So 2006, 8, 10, 12. I was going to say, did they maybe play off like the Apocalypse 2012 thing a little bit? Um, like when that was all a big hype? Funny you should say that. No, but the name of the album is Apocryphon. Mm. What? Now, it doesn't mean anything like Apocalypse. Yeah. It's actually kind of like a religious term, which means like secret teachings and knowledge that couldn't be publicly known. So Whoa. like apparently there was, I guess chapters of the bible that were either deleted or omitted oh or, yeah 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 so There's it's tons just kind of, of relating of to things like that throughout history where like you like even like even currently now if you look at disclosed documents uh, from the government there'll be huge sections yeah, that are just there's a lot out. going on that we don't know about <laughs> and you're like well why did you even give this to the public exactly um but that theme sort of is woven throughout it's cool this album is a lot about ancient knowledge and like prophecy and like they put like i said they put so much thought into this like they really is they really make you like want to do research about it. Yeah, and that's the thing that I love about this band. And you know what? Just m- my music taste in general is I love <coughs> lyrics that make me think or tell me a story. Mm-hmm. I don't yes. want to hear something really basic. Like well, I want to think wanna... about these connections and like think of it in the abstract. Like what are they trying to say? And even with the third album, yes, it was a concept album, but they did not spell the story out for you yeah. easily. You had to think about it and be like, okay, I think like stitch it together yourself, right? That's cool because it's all it's like it's giving you like the backbone of the story, but it's letting you interpret it in your own way. Yeah. So this one interpretate, interpretate, interpret, interpret, interpretate, right? Interpret. Uh, Why am I so illiterate? I'm in a writing program. You'd think I'd be able to figure this stuff out. We're good. We're good. We got it. But we're in the fuzz factory. We're going to round things up now. So this is the last song that we can get in. Yeah. We are at 50. We're at an hour now. What? Today flew by. Okay, well, do you want to get into songs? Um, well, yes, yes. We just got to finish it. We got to get one from each album. I'll do they it. play off each other? Like, can we play them back to back without it sounding weird? Um, we'll just have a quick pause. Kay. Don't worry about it. Um, okay, so this album, I'll get into it quickly because you're rushing me. No worries. Um, so Apocryphon, it wasn't a concept album, but there's a lot of themes woven throughout. So um, the song I'm going to play is, there's actually one called Apocryphon on it, but my favorite song, I'm going to look it up right now because I just changed my mind on on the fly is called the veil of isis and like i just love the lyrics in this song it really personifies like day and night and like cool. like um the season changes and stuff mm-hmm. it's just a really interesting album but y- they got a lot more electronic and i'm hoping that you'll be able to hear it on this song the original one i picked out had a big synthy part in the beginning that was totally yep. unlike them but i want to play this one but this one's a little bit different yeah so i'll just okay. throw it away right now so just like listen to the lyrics and stuff um They've actually start, started doing better quality um, music videos at this point. So, like, if you want to watch one of those mm-hmm. and stuff, maybe I'll tweet it out. Um, but, yeah. Okay, so here's The Veil of Isis by The Sword from their album Apocryphon from 2012 on The Fuzz Factory. <laughs>
That was cool. So we got to hear four of their five albums so far. Yeah, four out of five. So we'll we'll and jump we're into the end fifth it one. with their fifth one. Yeah, right? we're just okay. gonna do a send off with the fifth one. But um, again, this one like a lot cleaner, um, a lot same the same kind of sound. Mm-hmm. You didn't really get that uh, synth vibe off of them um, from this song, but they have added synths in this song or this album. Sorry. Um, but the thing that I find interesting about this album that I was kind of getting to before we played it is that um, it's not a concept album, but there's different themes woven throughout. So now in this song, they had the lyric. Um, Somewhere seven ships collide, seven sailors lose their lives, but their voyage continues on the other side. So like seven ships colliding, first of all, that's chaos. Um, But also the idea that these seven sailors, now they're kind of ghosts voyaging through the other side. Like it just conjures a lot of imagery in your head, right? Those lyrics themselves are a trip. Yes. Yes. But so that was this song that we just heard, The Veil of Isis. But they have another song on the album called Seven Sisters. And it's about seven. There's a lyric that says seven sisters sobbing by the shore, longing for their lost loves whose ships sail no more. So then it goes to like, oh, shoot, like these seven sailors were all married to sisters. Like there's just kind of like like comparative things. Yeah, like they're really interweaving. Yeah, you're getting that extra payoff from noticing those things. Yeah, I think an underlying thought or theme, I guess, for this band is like I really appreciate the thought that they went into. Yeah. Like behind uh, not only making cool songs, but like they really thought about like why they were writing songs certain ways why obviously they were titling songs certain ways, yeah. um, how that's going to work with another one in the album. And it also shows you like they were building an album. They weren't just putting random songs like exactly because some albums really are just that like they're just a collection of really good songs that work together. But this one feels like they want like it's meant to listen front to back. It's yeah. it's an album. It's not like, OK, we're going to write an album. So now we've got to come up with 12 songs now. Now this is like, OK, we have this idea. So let's, let's try make an album flesh it out. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just I the love. opposite thought process, I think. Yeah. Now this next album is the biggest departure i feel like i know between the t- second and third albums that they got a lot cleaner but this gets a lot lighter a lot of people find them kind of ec- so unrecognizable like, oh wow so they've kind of went from like they went from very heavy very fuzzy for lack of words it's more rock now. uh and i was gonna say so they were a lot more metal focused and yeah you think they've, they've kind of cleaned up a lot and yes like, i don't like hygiene wise obviously but like their sound is uh a lot less distortion, I think, is what I've noticed. Yes. Um, it's not near as, like, like again, fuzzy. It's not near as, like, there's a lot less gain, a lot less mm-hmm. high end on it. And even in interviews, the lead singer has said that, you know, you kind of get sick of writing the same thing. You do. All the you time. really do. And you and can't, so, ex- you want these artists to put out good stuff and you can't expect them to put out the same stuff because then you'd have fans shitting on them exactly. likewise. It's the same. So now how this album came about, it's called High Country. Um, and I know you get an immediate thing like, oh, this is like a stoner band kind of thing. But it more relates to the fact that the lead singer, he kind of went up into the mountains and kind of secluded himself and wrote Well, I was going to say, I, like the way, knowing more about their sound now, I didn't even think of that reference like as a stoner song or whatever. Yeah, but just because with the I album being it, called High Country, it's like a oh, little yeah, heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, even the cover, I like, thought you of see it mountains. as like uh, yeah, because they're, they're so entranced in this historical Viking. I thought of like you know like the Scottish Highlands. That's kind of the yeah. image that I got from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, he went hermited himself like, he, and this was the album where he kind of wrote all the music too. So all the other bandmates kind of got what they were supposed to do, but the songs were kind of together. Already. Well, the creative control was definitely in his hands. Yeah. It seems right, and a lot of the songs kind of 
kind of relate to mountains and stuff. So like you can tell that he was being inspired by his surroundings. Oh, with hun- this song. yeah. Um, but I felt like it was a good send off to just play the song that's uh, the namesake for the album High Country. Um, this is, I definitely would say, one of the lighter ones on the album. And I just want to give you the biggest contrast I can with, wow, look at this sound now. Well, what we've done really to pat ourselves on the back, I think what we did well this episode is that um, <clears throat> listeners, you guys really will get uh, a really good sense of this band because mm-hmm. you got to see them as they were like in their infancy to their newest stuff. To maturity, to like, yeah, to a new kind of departure so even if like our rambles got boring if i encourage you guys even if you just don't feel like listening to the podcast listen to these five songs in the order <laughs> I think, that i you, think if they're they've come this far they i guess like the podcast. uh check out the songs this even five in a row because listening to them um as a set list it i could like i would like to listen to them again and i'm going to because i got to edit this podcast yeah. but uh hearing those so- five songs in that order and then having you describe it as it happened, like that was the best way to experience this band, I think. Yeah, and it's like we didn't sugarcoat anything. Like their first couple albums, there were rough parts and stuff, but it's all about the evolution of the band, right? The I think, sound yeah, changes. It's cool. Yeah, so I'm just going to throw it away. So thank you guys for tuning into the Fuzz Factory episode seven. You've come this far, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yes, we've got a minimum of three more episodes to come. Yeah, and we're planning something extra special for episode 10, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, I will leave you with the Swords album from 2015, just last year. Okay, so I am going to throw it away. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Fuzz Factory, episode seven already. So thank you for coming this far with us. Yes. If you want to listen. It has been a wonderful June. Yeah, sorry, I cut you off. (laughs) No worries. Um, I just forgot that I'm the one that remembers the URL (laughs) to our blog. So check us out on the Fuzz Factory blog dot wordpress.com or you can just check us out on itunes at the fuzz factory just look us up yeah we're up every saturday at Mm -hmm. noon so if you're up on our sites before then please check out the back catalog we've got six delicious episodes for you if you want more six full hours of just fuzzy riffy beautiful music and great company if i may say so myself two beautiful hosts beautiful voices yeah thanks for showing me all this stuff today was great Um, I had a really good time. I love talking about this band. And next time they come to town in you know a couple of years, yeah, we'll we should definitely go. We'll definitely go. Um, so again, you guys were listening to The Sword, High Country, their album from 2015. So here's their self-titled song. Um, self-album titled? Whatever. Um, <laughs> here's High Country. <laughs> cool. <laughs> On the Fuzz Factory. Fuzz Factory.